praise the Lord. Good morning. It is uh, truly an honor and a privilege to be back at Abundant Life. Some of you may remember it was my privilege to be with you at the burning of the mortgage in 2006. I must tell you, whenever Elder Rock calls, I am there. I, I almost act like if I don't come, that my diploma will be revoked. <laughs> but it's a, it's a privilege to be here with my wife. You met her, Linda, in the back. Linda is uh, an, an amazing help me and partner that God has put in my life. We've been married uh, next anniversary, 35 years. And I told her if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. I was able to uh, sandwich the both coasts, and this weekend I'm going to be on both coasts this weekend. I'm, on Monday morning, I am the guest of the King family at the celebration of the Martin Luther King birthday in Atlanta. I was asked by Martin III and Bernice King both beautiful people, and it was just an honor to be with them, and so pray for us as we travel. I also miss my church. I love being in my home church, and uh, I'm going to try to break the bread of life this morning, and as I heard an old black preacher say once, and I've shared with you, I I'm no jumbo jet preacher but I do need a little runway. So uh, allow me the privilege of a little runway this morning and part of that is I just, I sing before I speak so I'm gonna try to do a little song and I hope, hope you're blessed this morning. Praise God. Earth as it is 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from We are humbled before you today. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Thank you for your presence in this place. As we open your word, I ask that you would cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Fill my life with your Holy Spirit's presence and power. Speak to me, through me, and for me. And I promise you I'll always give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sometimes the Lord fills the place. All you want to do is just be still. Just want to be quiet. Just reflect and thank him. As he reminds us of his power and his majesty, his greatness, his goodness. In his life, 
and ministry, Jesus faced during his life the best intellectual and theological minds that the Pharisees and Sadducees could throw at him. And they all failed dismally, failed in bringing disrepute and disgrace to our Lord. Realizing that to confound Jesus, they would have to get their very best mind, their most powerful hired gun. The Sadducees turned to a young up and coming lawyer. And we have before us this young lawyer in the prime of his life, well-educated, theologically trained, openly and devoutly religious. Not only was this young lawyer a faithful student of the scriptures, he was also a conscientious practitioner of the principles in God's word. And there is a difference, you know. He had earned such distinction amongst the Pharisees and noblemen of his day that when they needed someone they believed had the intellectual grist and muscle to confound and bewilder Jesus, when they were looking for someone to stump and confuse our Lord, this was the man they chose. He was young like Jesus, brilliant, up-and-coming star amongst the religious leaders of his day. And they gave this young lawyer the precarious task of cross-examining Jesus and bringing dishonor and discredit to his reputation. Well, he approached Jesus during what some scholars believe was the height of growing public resentment against him. You know, every public leader has to deal with the ebb and flow. Uh, you're not listening to me this morning. The ebb and flow of public opinion. The other day, it was my privilege to be at the White House with, senator, with one senator, now President Barack Obama. And I said to him, Mr. President, the Lord has impressed me to tell you something. He said, he said what's that? I said, the Lord impressed me to tell you that People feed pigeons, but they shoot at eagles. When you're a little pigeon picking up crumbs off of somebody's common table, nobody bothers you. But when you stretch out your wings and you try to soar and go places others haven't gone before and do things others haven't, are you with me today? Haven't done before. I said, the Lord impressed me to tell you people feed pigeons, but they shoot at eagles. He said, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> but here was Jesus. The spin doctors were gaining traction and influence. They were casting doubts amongst the people 
regarding the authenticity of, of what Jesus was teaching and saying. And so this young lawyer came to Jesus and he came during a time when it seemed like every other day some religious leader was coming forward with a statement of entrapment and denunciation or condemnation against Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34. The book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34. The Bible says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Now, you know that, what that means, right? The Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, so they came together for a meeting. And verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Thou shalt do what? Thou shalt do what? Love the Lord with all thy heart. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law. Have mercy, Jesus, and all the prophets. In other words, these two commandments form the foundation of everything in the law. And everything, every prophet and every servant of God has ever written. Now for the next few moments, I would like to probe a little the depths of that first word from Jesus. We must love the Lord with all our hearts. It was my blessing and privilege for 25 years to travel with Billy Graham. He is... 92 years old now, and George Beverly Shea, I just did a concert with him last year, and he's 102. <laughs> Still singing. You tell me one rocker that's 102 and still singing. Mm -mm -mm. It pays to serve the Lord. So at 92, he was being interviewed, and Billy Graham was asked if you had to go back and change anything about your life and ministry, what would you do differently? His answer was very surprising. He said, first of all, I would not have traveled as much as I did. Because sometimes you got to remember that if you're not there, somebody else will be there. They will find somebody else. A preacher was telling me the other day that he started out in ministry and he was working so hard, he was even eating out of his car and sleeping in his car in his conference office, going all over. And they were having a meeting, and they said, why are you working so hard? He said, well, I'm doing the Lord's work. And one of the preachers in the meeting started just snapping his finger. And the conference president said, why are you snapping your finger? He said, oh, I was just trying to show him what will happen eight seconds after he's dead. People will be saying, now, now who was that again? What, what was his name? <laughs> they will find somebody else. 
But the second thing that Billy Graham said was, I would have spent more time learning to love the Lord. Now I confess, I cannot begin to teach adequately upon what loving God with all our hearts really means. But today, I want to try and explore some of what loving God and share with you what some of loving God, what it means to me. Hallelujah. I believe God has shown me that it is not an accident that often in the scriptures when he wants to describe to us the kind of relationship he wants to have with us, it is not an accident that it has often been in romantic terms. So he is the bridegroom. We are his bride. Violating and breaching that relationship, he calls it adultery and unfaithfulness. To illustrate that, he told Hosea to marry Goma so he would understand the romantic feelings that he had for us and what, how, how he feels when we break his heart. Human history began with a wedding and it will end with one. Are you with me today? I used to think that the Song of Solomon was one of those semi-erotic books that you asked children to leave the room when you wanted to read from it. Because it talked about breasts and come on now, goblets of wine and just all kinds of compromising situations, it seemed. But the Lord showed me it's just a metaphor for the kind of intimacy, Lord Jesus, the kind of relationship he wants to have with us. Some of the most poetic and beautiful descriptions of the relationship God wants to have with us is found right in the book of Song of Solomon. Phrases like, I am his, and he is mine. Phrases like, his banner over me is love. And then Jesus took me to the book of Revelation, where he says to the church at Ephesus, you've been a great church, you've done some wonderful things for me, but I got a problem with you. You've lost that romance. That's what the Bible means when it says first love. You've lost that first love. As a matter of fact, here's what Ellen White says. The experience of the Ephesian church is being repeated in the experience of the church of this generation. We too have lost the romance. We've lost our first love. And Jesus says to John, I want to tell you, John, tell the people in Ephesus, they don't love me like they used to. Tell them that they've lost that first love they had for me. I want you to tell the church that they are more concerned about the work of the church than being in love with the head of the church. Let them know that their priorities are misplaced. Their values need to be realigned. I've seen their faithfulness and their determination. They've given my kingdom 
exemplary service, but I've got something against them. They've allowed the love they have for me to grow cold and old. From the loss of the focus of loving me, they've lost the focus of loving me. In the book of Revelation, the importance of loving God has ended up in the church of Laodicea as a forgotten relic of the past. That's why if you've got your Bibles wrong, Revelation 3.14, Jesus says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art what? Lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Behold, I stand at the door, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus is speaking like a spurned lover. He's not knocking on the door of the club. He's not knocking on the door of the whorehouse. He's not knocking on the door of the nightclub. He's not knocking on the door of the casino. He's not knocking at the door of the crack house. He's knocking on the door of the church that has lost, that has lost its first love. John, tell my people they've been taking our relationship for granted. No longer do I see that passion and excitement in their eyes when they come into my presence. They don't seem to realize that something's changed in our relationship. Something's missing. They don't speak to me with ardent affection anymore. Tell them they've lost their first love for me. One writer said, what Jesus saw in Ephesus was activity without intimacy. Faithfulness without fervency. Tell them they were so busy doing the work of the church that they lost that first love experience. And without that golden passport stamp with the imprint of a first love experience, I cannot welcome them into my kingdom. They were so busy living by the rules of their faith, they had lost the fire that keeps faith alive. Have mercy, God. Tell them I said that they were doctrinal without being spiritual. Some of us in our faith have become like that little boy who prayed, Dear God, make me good enough, but not too good, just good enough so I don't get a whooping. God wants us to love him with all our hearts. So what is this first love, you may ask? First love is a strong attachment fired up by joy and enthusiasm. And there's a big difference between sentimentalism and what the Bible calls a first love romance characterized by beauty, purity, and creativity. 
For those of you who have been in a fulfilling relationship, uh, let me ask you for a minute, do you remember the warmth and glow of first love? You know, first love was that strong attachment you felt that was filled with admiration and desire. It was that flame of warm attachment burning brightly in your soul. It was so powerful, the only thing <laughs> that could keep it under control was the power of the Holy Ghost itself. <laughs> you know I'm right. I tell people the way I see it, first love is that booster rocket that puts you into orbit. And once you're in orbit, you gotta learn to make the best of the trip. And the good Lord knew we would need a booster rocket because most, most of us knew what the trip would be like, we probably wouldn't go. And once you're in orbit, you gotta make the best of the trip. Brothers and sisters, some of them, those of you who have known love, come on, are you out here today? Do you remember? Now, I don't mean the first person you were in love with. For some of you, that's not a good memory. <laughs> Most of us got dumped by the first person we were in love with. So when we talk about first love, we're talking about that kind of love that's so tender, you acted like a kindergarten school child on a swing. Come on, you remember what I'm talking about. You long to see his face, hear his voice. You remember the longing you had to be in her presence. Come on, brothers. And all you asked for as a reward was just to see her smile. And because of that first love experience, you would show up early for your date. <laughs> and try to linger past curfew. Oh, the cherished memories of first love, the early attentions, as Ellen White says, the unexpected gestures, the little surprises she did for you that took your breath away. Have mercy. First love. You remember how you longed to spend time together and you didn't want to leave each other. For the longest time, you would just hold each other's hand and gaze into one another's eyes. Young people back then, holding hands was the thrill. now and you love doing stuff on what I call the JB principle just because why'd you send me those flowers just because some of you are old enough to remember sitting by the mailbox waiting for the mailman to bring you a letter from your beloved. Remember that song that the only reason, oh, I'm going home, my baby? She wrote me a letter. Young people, when we were growing up, letters were our text messages. Come on, are you with me today? When we were growing up and you were in love, you would gladly pay a little more for your letter to go to your beloved by airmail. Oh, every once in a while, I'd show off and send a letter by airmail for the whopping cost of 26 cents in 19 <laughs> 1975. 26 cents was money. 
and we didn't have any word processing. You, you, wrote, how, you wrote out how you felt by hand. And in this age of text messaging and email, writing love notes and letters by hand has become a forgotten art. Email is wonderful, but you can't put a little perfume on it. Come on. Come on, ladies, come on. You remember when that letter would arrive? You just hold on to it. Brothers and sisters, just like he spoke to the church in Ephesus, God is saying to his church, you don't call me up like you used to. You don't linger on the line like you used to. We used to be able to talk for hours. The time would fly. We don't make plans for our future together anymore. Remember how you would speak fondly of me and you couldn't call my name without a broad, contagious smile spreading across your face. Remember how you would go out of your way to please me? You never wanted to do anything that would have hurt me? That was first love. How you used to always put me first. You would never allow anything to come between us. During the day, in your private moments, I would hear you just singing about me. You tell me things no other human ear would ever hear. I remember our long walks together. Remember that song, I Miss My Time With You? Yes. When we drew closer and closer to each other, church, though the Ephesian church had done so many wonderful things and done them well, on the surface, they were a prosperous church, but they had forgotten the most important thing of all, that our God will not accept into his kingdom those souls who are not on fire with first love. A boy came home from church one day, got ready for bed and said this prayer, God, we had a wonderful day in church. Wish you could have been there. That's what happens when a church loses their first love. What is this first love Jesus called first love? It's the love of two people holding hands while dreaming of a bright future. In God's eyes, first love is that love that first brought you together. It is the love you felt when you realized that the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary was enough for every sin you ever committed and every mistake you ever made. And because of this blood, you're an heir of salvation. You're a purchase of God and you are a recipient of an unending mercy and boundless, matchless love. First love is the love you felt when you first became a child of God. You were so in love with God. You remember there were no mountains you couldn't climb, no rivers you couldn't cross. It wasn't so much that the Ephesians had stopped loving God. What Jesus said was they stopped loving me like they used to. 
And so often what happened to the Ephesians happens to all of us in our marital relationships. You remember when you first got married? The love you shared was righteous and passionate. Put those two words together. Righteous and passionate. It was exciting. It was alive. You were constantly hugging and holding hands even when you walked in the mall. You were so much in love. Brothers, come on. You were so much in love, you actually enjoyed shopping in the ladies' shoes section. That's first love. But then for all of us, for all of us, life happens. <laughs> it comes at you with dirty socks to be washed, garbage to be taken out, aromas you've never encountered before. Life happens. And before long, listen carefully, life begins to take the edge off of that romance. It begins to cool and you begin to take your spouse for granted. You stop expressing your love the way you used to. What you had becomes dull, even boring. A couple was driving home on their 25th wedding anniversary after a celebration at a restaurant. The wife was sitting over against the door on the passenger side. Her husband was behind the wheel and she began to lament. Oh, honey, remember when we were so close? I mean, I remember when we first got married, we sat so close that you could hardly shift the gears. Now look at us. The husband responded with a shrug. I never moved. You get what I'm talking about. But in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, we, hallelujah, can recapture that romance. And here's what you can do to recapture the romance. Go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. We can recapture that romance. Revelation 2 verse 5. Here's what you've got to do. First of all, Jesus says, remember. You must do what? Remember. remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Secondly, we must do what? Repent. And thirdly, we must what? Do the first works. Now, that word remember, that means that you've got to reminisce a little bit. Amen. You got to repent. You got to turn around. You may need to remember your courting days, what it was like when you first got married, when you would drive along. And a red light was a chance for a little soft kiss. <laughs> Reminisce. Those things are important to keep a relationship vibrant. When Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, you've forgotten your first love, he was saying, remember what it was like when you first gave your heart to the Lord and got baptized? You couldn't wait to read your Bible. Woo, Jesus, have mercy. You couldn't seem to get enough of the word. You used to read for inspiration. Now you read for information. 
Remember how you used to pray? You used to have a real conversation with God. Somebody walked up on you, want to know who in the world you talking to? You were so excited about your relationship with Jesus, you would tell all your friends and even strangers how exciting it was. You couldn't wait to get to church, remember? Nobody had to wake you up. As a matter of fact, some weeks ago I went and pulled out some of those love notes and love letters that I had written to my wife back in 1974. Elder while I was in college. 75, 76, I pulled out the letters we wrote to each other. Some of them are so spiritual and so hot at the same time. They're, they're still smoking 40 years later, it feels like. And when I read this week, when I read some of those letters, how much in love we were back then, and how, I know we're still madly in love, but Lord of mercy, that was first love. We were so much in love that the flames of our poetic expressions would burn holes in the paper they were written on. <laughs> the little love notes we used to write. Now I came, I went through, my wife has kept them from when we were in college. I guess they must have been that good. She just hanged on to them. And I want to read you just a little bit of some of the things I wrote in my first love. I wrote, Linda, you are a breath of sanity to my life, a whisper of serenity. A haven amidst a mad, mad world. May God grant our love the permanence of eternity. One day as I knelt in faith and in prayer, a voice came to me so sweet and so clear. I used to write poems too. One, one day as I knelt in faith and in prayer, a voice came to me so sweet and so clear. It is I, said Jesus, and I've come to help bear your trials, your sorrows, your doubts, and all your fears. Oh, how sweet to have a savior so true and so dear. When the Lord gets heavy, he's always right there. So bow with me, darling, and thank him in prayer. For whenever we need him, he's always so near. <laughs> darling, when I think of you, no, no, listen, listen to this one. <laughs> when I think of home, I think of you. We were courting. You are the woman of my dreams. May you ever know this within your heart, your husband to be. God placed the wonderful drive to care for you, to share with you, to love you within me. Every day with you, my darling, is, I used to borrow from Hallmark too. Every day, every day with you, my darling, is sweeter than the day before. To know you is to love you more. Sometimes I bask in riches untold, usually when I think of you. Y'all missed that one. <laughs> oh, to see your face, its smile and look of peace and contentment, our two hearts beat as one. You are my DCT. Dream come true. 
Well, I need a, a handkerchief or something. <laughs> Woo! Spring comes to my life with every savored thought of you. Oh, I cannot. I, I, this is, I mean, years of poems. Now, I have a confession to make. <laughs> One day, El Rock, I used to work in the mail room at Oakwood. One day, I closed the door to the mail room. I put my hands on the Xerox machine. And I Xeroxed my hands. And then I wrote this poem on my hands. Lovely Linda, these are the hands that long to hold you so. These are the hands whose love will always show. To you, my love, may your cup always fill when these two hands are surrendered to God's will. Darling, these are my hands. May they be faithful and true to God, to man, and always to you. Well, that went over so well <laughs> that one day, Elder, I closed the door again. <laughs> this time, I stood up on the Xerox machine. I didn't break it. I didn't break it because I didn't put all my weight on it. I didn't put all my weight on it. But I Xeroxed my feet. And then I wrote a poem, and here we go. Hey, Linda, as you've guessed by now, these are my feet. <laughs> they, too, want to tell you that they think you're so sweet. They've walked many a mile so that my lips may say how I think of you, Linda, in a very special way. So here they are, precious. I know you'll take good care. They love you. They adore you, even though they're bad. First love. Creativity. Remember how you'd have butterflies in your stomach when you heard his car pull up? Well, some of you, when the bicycle came up. Uh-huh. I remember I'd run to the girl's dorm and whistle. That's our family whistle now. First love, one day I drove nonstop from Montreal, Canada to Florida. I came to Florida to visit her family. I was so in love. I was thinking, what can I do to impress her mother and her family as her brother was in the car? I told him, pull to the side of the road. 
in Florida. I hadn't seen a coconut tree in so long, and while they were looking in amazement, I climbed a coconut tree. <laughs> you all won't know what that means, but I'm not a plumber, but when I got to their house, one of the faucets wasn't working, and I went and fixed her faucet, and today I'm still a knight in shining armor. Or oh, I should say a plumber in shining armor. No matter how strong a church may be, if you don't have first love, you are spiritually bankrupt. You are emotionally empty. It has come to my attention that there are some members who mumble and grumble in their church seats. You don't show first love when you act like the devil for the Lord. Jesus is telling many churches today, you don't love me like you used to. I alone must be the center of your attention, your adoration, or else you will forfeit the blessings. When you first saw each other, you had stars in your eyes. You know, too many husbands and wives today have become like roommates. The romance is gone. Looks like marriages are where the boredom is and having affairs is where the romance is. Doesn't have to be that way. Life doesn't have to suck that romance out of your relationship. Jesus says, reminisce. Remember from where you've fallen. In your marriage, do you miss the old days or are you just going through the motions? Remember, repent, and then what's the third one? Huh? The things that you used to do when you first fell in love. Go back to doing those things. Squeeze her sometime. Sweep her off her feet. I didn't say pick her up. I said sweep her off her feet. You may be young, but you're not that young. Ladies, fix yourself up. So that when he thinks about coming home, he'll be trying to run red lights. <laughs> Just trying to get home. Treat your husband so good that the other women in the neighborhood will be wondering how come your husband is the only one coming in from a hard day's work whistling and singing and happy. Brothers, send her some flowers for no reason. Now, I, I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know your spiritual situation. No matter how old you are, you can still be a romantic. You didn't hear what I said. You can still have that first love. I remember reading of a couple that had been married for 50 years. One day she was saying to her husband, you know, things have really changed. You used to sit so close to me. The husband said, oh, I can fix that. He was over reading. And she was on, he was on a sofa, she was over by the couch, so he got up and went and sat next to her and kept reading. <laughs> and 
And then, and then she said, I remember when you used to hold me so tight. Oh, he said, I can fix that. He put the book down, he grabbed her, and he held her with a smile on her face. She said, you remember when you used to nuzzle on my ear? He said, oh, I can fix it. He jumped up and started running to the door. She said, where are you going? He said, I got to go get my teeth. <laughs> You're never too old to bring that romance back. Amen. So my definition, let me give you before I close, my definition of love. My definition of love, love is when you choose to be at your best when the other person is not at their best. Isn't that what God did for you? Isn't that how he loves you? Love is when you choose to be at your best when the other person is not at their best. Love, first love for me also is love is, and this one is hard, love is when what you want is never important. And what the other person wants and needs is always paramount in your mind. Have you lost that first love? Your God is such a romantic, he said in Isaiah, I've tattooed your name on my hands. I love you so much. Brothers and sisters, God sent me, and I want to leave this with you because I was going to make this a little interactive, but I won't do that right now. Ten signs that you're in love. Ten signs that you're in love. Oh, I'm going to give you more than ten. I'm going to give you 25. One, being in their presence makes you happy. Is that how you love the Lord? You love spending time together. You want to be around him all the time. You don't get tired of being around the Lord. Two, you're always thinking about him. You dream of him constantly. Three, you always seem to have something you want to share with him. Come on, ladies. When you're in love, there's always something you got to share. You trust him implicitly. You're extravagant with your expressions. Nothing is cheap for the one you love. You begin to care more about yourself because you want to impress him. So you take care of yourself. Amen. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, when you're in love, you don't go sloppy. Amen. You want to fix yourself up. You want to be your best. 
When you're in love, you begin to care more about yourself. Also, when you're in love, other people don't matter the way they used to. When you're in love, hanging out with your so-called friends doesn't excite you as much anymore. You'd rather go to church. When you're in love with the Lord, the world seems a happier place. Everything seems bright. Number 10, when you're in love with the Lord, you radiate happiness without realizing it. When you're in love with the Lord, you forget about all the other loves who broke your heart. When you're in love with the Lord, you're so proud of this one that you love, you're always telling people about him. If you, if you could, you'd carry his picture with you. When you're really in love with the Lord, ladies, you seem to see his face everywhere you look. Everything around you reminds you of him. When you love the Lord, you're always looking for a way to make him happy. You don't ever want to disappoint him. When you're in love with the Lord, you don't notice other loves and attractions like you used to. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just for a minute, just for a minute. I'm going to tell you what I do when I see. Well, men, I'm going to give you a tip that will help you in your marriage. Don't fall for this when your wife says, isn't she a pretty lady? I'm going to tell you what the right answer is. The right answer is, she aight. Because when you're in love, you don't notice the attractions like you used to. When you're in love with the Lord, you think about what it's going to be like meeting his friends and his family. it's going to be like to meet his friends and his family. When you're in love with the Lord, the idea of spending forever with him doesn't seem suffocating, ladies, but liberating. When you're in love with the Lord, you're ready to stay with each other and work together through good and bad. When you're in love with the Lord, giving up what you want does not feel like a sacrifice it feels like a delight when you're in love with the Lord you can look into his eyes and know that you both feel the same way about each other and finally when you're in love with the Lord you begin dreaming of spending a future together I only wanted to do one thing here today and that is to reignite in somebody's life that first love that you used to have with the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me?
is saying to somebody here today. Just for a moment. speaking to somebody's heart here today. Remember? Remember what it was like when you first met me? You remember what it was like when we first found each other? Remember? The love was so pure, so beautiful, so rich. You've lost that, but you can get it back. Hallelujah. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Go back and do the things you used to do when you first fell in love with me. Today, God is speaking to you. His presence is here. And he's saying to you, you've lost that first love. but you can get it back. Hallelujah. You can get it back. And once you get it back, don't lose it again. Because you're going to need it to walk through the pearly gates. Only those who love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their strength, will see the kingdom of heaven. He's calling you today. He's calling you. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou.